Hey guys, you're listening to Terrifying Travel, the podcast where two friends will discuss a true crime and a paranormal story in a new city every week. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Maddie. And that was flawless. That was smooth as fuck. <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> okay, where are we going today, Maddie? We are heading back to America, specifically the Midwest, to hit up St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. So I actually, um, I thought... As an American, you may not realize this, but understanding American cities is really difficult. <laughs> not in the United States. I remember when we went to Tupelo, we pulled up to t- what we thought was Tupelo, and we stopped by an old lady. And God, I, I love you. Mississippi, you guys are amazing. But I walk into Burger King, and my dad and I are lost. We're supposed to be in Tupelo. This is supposed to be the birthplace of Elvis Presley, but we're not seeing anything Elvis-related. And my dad just says, like, hey... My dad's a really big guy, so he normally has me do stuff like this because he'd scare everyone away. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, can you go ask that older couple if they happen to know where Elvis' birthplace is? And I said, I go over and I'm like, hey, I ask her and she goes, oh, sweetheart, you're not even in the right place at all. Here, have oh. some and I'll explain it to you. But there's a Tupelo West, a Tupelo East, and a Tupelo. And we were looking for Tupelo and we were in Tupelo East or something like that. Ah, gotcha. And that is the same thing with Memphis. There's Memphis and then there's West Memphis. There's West Memphis, yep, in Arkansas. Okay, so I think it's the same issue with St. Louis. Yep, there's like East St. Louis and I think West St. Louis, so yeah. Okay, so I think I'm in East St. Louis. That's perfectly fine. No worries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> St. I'm, Louis is St. Louis. Like, yeah, I, I looked at a map and I'm fairly confident that's what it was, but I didn't want to find out. Like, you guys have like a Springfield in every city or every state. Oh, yep. And there's yep. like what two Portlands, but they're on like the opposite side of the country. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So I was there's... a little worried that I'd be in like St. Louis, California. <laughs> but it's the same same St. Louis as I don't know how to pronounce it to be honest. Everyone pronounces it differently, but the same one as Chicago, whatever state that is. Illinois. Illinois. I can never tell if it's Illinois or Illinois. Uh Illinois, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yes, I'm going to Illinois. You're going to Missouri. Okay. No worries. I, I did learn while trying to figure it out. I did learn the two don't like each other. Yeah, they don't. They really don't. Nope. Because my nope. case, uh, it'll make more sense in a second. But everyone was like, if you're trying to get to hell, just cross over to Missouri. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. And the thing is, Missouri people say the same thing about Illinois. <laughs> oh, probably, probably. <laughs> okay. So you've been to Missouri? Or sorry, I St. Louis? Have. I have. I have been to St. Louis. I went for a day trip when I was in college because it's about two hours from my college town. Okay. So I know a lot of people from St. Louis. I went and stayed at a friend's house in St. Louis. It's a really cool city. It's like, um, it's called the Gateway to the West because it was the start of the Oregon Trail in the old timey Western days. So everyone would start in St. Louis and then head west to California or Oregon or Washington or wherever. So it's just really Cool. cool. Yeah. Yes. Uh, honestly, the um, I don't actually know much about St. Louis. Um, I'm a blues fan, so I know a little bit of like the St. Louis blues. Yeah. Um, I actually have one of their their uh, t-shirt or sweaters for their hockey team. Yes. Only because when we were in China, I found a store that had them for like ten dollars, <laughs> and I didn't bring any of my band shirts with me to China, so I thought these would do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I have yeah. a heap of hockey jerseys that I don't. I don't hockey. Fair enough. Otherwise, I don't think I actually ha- know anything about St. Louis. Uh, it's Obviously, I couldn't find it. <laughs> and every time uh, our last video or our last podcast, you got cut off. So I tried to end the episode myself. And I was like, we're going to the place with the Golden Gates. Like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> and then my day trip, that doesn't exist anymore. I was like, okay, we're going to the Golden Arches. Which I realized long after that that's McDonald's. <laughs> Which I'm sure they have. Sure they have. Yes, of course, of course. Okay, so would you like to know what I learned about uh, St. Louis just now? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's go. Okay, so I have St. Oh. Louis is the first U.S. city to host a modern Olympics game. Yes. Which yes, I please. feel like that would just make it the first U.S. city to host an Olympic game. Um. Because the original Olympic Games didn't even know North America existed. True, 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 true. So, I have I have a fun fact about that Olympic Games, though. Okay, go for it. So there was a runner who was doing the marathon or like the 
cross country division of the Olympics. And um, they didn't have like an official track for them to run on. So they just had them running through the city. And it was like just a shit show because like they didn't have water stations for them oh i was just reading about that actually yeah it wasn't like correctly marked like everything just went wrong and the person who won first place cheated because he like got a ride from someone (laughs) well i think i was i sorry i lost you for half a second so i don't know if you said this but i was literally just reading a post about this they were they thought that depriving them of water would make them run faster yeah yes and apparently one of the guys who came in fourth maybe was absolutely hallucinating the whole way because he had rat poison in his system (gasps) oh i didn't know that one no i literally I'm, i'm actually stunned i didn't realize i was saying lewis i was just reading about that this morning they didn't want to give him water, so they gave him something that was mixed with, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something and brandy, and it had strychnine in it. Oh, so my he was gosh. not doing well, but because everyone else was so dehydrated, he was just able to, basically, they were all on even playing fields, except for he was hallucinating the whole way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it was a complete shit show. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was it was a big shit show. That anyway, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they got to be the first, so that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and and when they do that when they're the first, it's great because it means there's no way but up. Yeah, exactly. All you gotta do is give your runners water that doesn't have strychnine in it, and you're great. <laughs> the thing is, I think all America Olympic games are cursed because the next one was in Atlanta and there was a bomb threat there. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, so hopefully you don't have a rat poison story for number two, though. (laughs) St. Louis opened the first kindergarten in the U.S. Oh! So I hope that went well for them. Yes. I mean, I I think it was opened in the 1800s, so there was cocaine involved. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Yes. That child keeps crying, do cocaine about it. Yep. Okay, and this one, I like this one because it just leaves a lot to the imagination. The first successful parachute jump from a moving plane was in St. Louis. Oh. So, how many unsuccessful ones were there? <laughs> I do have to wonder about that. Mm-hmm. And this is the most important fact I'm going to come up with as someone with IBS. Tums were invented here. Yay! <laughs> so, thank you for that. Tum, 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 tum. Very cute. <laughs> Okay, no one died during the construction of the arch, even though insurance companies predicted over a dozen people would. So that's nice. That is nice. So it's very nice that nobody died. Yes. (laughs) And also, for security purposes, presidents aren't allowed to go up the arch. Mm. I I guess you can't control what's happening up there? I don't know why. Uh, I think someone might try to push him off or something. Oh, I didn't realize you can fall out of it. Yep, let's not do that then. Yeah, yeah, I think it has open windows at the top. Cool, new fear. <laughs> I would also assume um, you can't control what flies by it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. the only dog museum in the world is there, which is cool. That's cool. I hope, I hope presidents can go to that. Yeah. So the inspo for the extracist happened here. Yes, 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 yes. And here's something my brain uh, broke, but it was on, their home was on Roanoke Drive. Is that not the name of that colony? Yes. 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 Let's let's not live on anything named Roanoke. Yeah, no, no, no. Bad juju. Bad juju. Yeah. Yeah. So Chuck Berry lived here. Yes. Chuck Berry was also caught for being a predator here. Yes. Yep. (laughs) He had a bathroom with cameras or something. That's great. There was also a fun fact where apparently one of the mayors here or something was also um, a predator. I didn't bother going down that hole because I just feel like, yeah, and I'm just going to end up with all politicians. Yeah. (laughs) So this is not a great one for tourism. They fixed it up, apparently. But downtown Illinois, sorry, downtown St. Louis Used to be so grungy that it was used, uh, it played New York in a post-apocalyptic movie. Oh. It was so grungy that they didn't really need to do much to it. You know what? That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who's been there, that checks out. 
Okay, so hopefully it's been fixed since uh, then. Yeah. But at one time, that was apparently a pretty dark place. Interesting. However, St. Louis has the most free tourist attractions in the U.S. other than Washington, D.C. Oh. Yes. And then my last one, uh, it's my last two, but they're kind of connected. So Nellie was born here. Oh. Yes. And that's why that's that's why I was getting hot in your room. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a dark lady. Um, he's also making country music now, which makes my brain hurt. Yeah. However, so the first hip-hop song to go main street, mainstream was Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. Oh. It was in the 70s. Like, there was hip-hop before that. But this right. was the first one to go, like, probably would have been played on, what is it, MTV and stuff like that. It was mainstream. Oh, got And you. it was played on the radio for the first time here. Oh. That's really, really cool. Nice. Thank that you, St. Louis. Cool. You kind of, like opened our eyes to hip-hop thank you yeah Yeah. and then while finding this though so i am not covering the lemp mansion yes i kind of i you know it came up everywhere and i was like that's too easy i also Mm -hmm. would like to get things that are a little different not a haunting every single time right however i regret doing that because one of the um pages i was using to find these had a quote it says the lemp mansion is the most haunted shit in town like a billion people were killed themselves here a billion billion tea billion tea and so i really regret not covering the place with a billion tea dead people oh because it is it's the a- most haunted shit in town yes yes it's okay ghost adventures covered it go watch their episode oh yeah well i mean zach baggins is gonna you know, really fuck up the most haunted <laughs> town. Yeah, and you just know Aaron is going, oh my god, like in the background. With a billion tea ghosts. Yes. I need to work the word a billion tea into my vocabulary now. Billion tea. <laughs> yes. Okay, so while we're there, other than Lump Mansion, let's maybe not go there. Where should we go, Miss Maddie? All right, here are the top 10 places to go in St. Louis. I will tell you what I have been to. Uh, Not much, because it was only a day trip, but (laughs) let's take a look. Number 10 is the St. Louis Art Museum. I thought you were going to say arch, and I was like, that should be higher up. (laughs) No, no, no. And as we learned from Madrid, you didn't go there, did you? I don't do art museums. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do art museums. Art's available on the internet for me to look at. We talked about if I've only got a limited limited amount of time, I'm not going to slowly walk through the inside of a building. I'm going to be running through, catching all the architecture I can. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But I'm sure it's lovely. Okay, I'm sure it's lovely. Number nine is for all the parents out there. It's the Magic House, which is a children's museum. Looks very very fun. Children museums are actually the best. I love children's museums. If there was a, take the concept of a children's museum and make it for adults, and I'm there. Like, I'm there. Like, But that's, like, everything. Like, can we have adult bouncy castles? Like, yes. all that stuff. I would love it. Yes. Uh, although the children's museum here, it actually gave me a little bit of PTSD. It was the first part place I read about the uh, little matchbook girl. Oh. Which, why? Do you know that one? I think so. I'm not um, sure. It's... It's basically an average children's story from the Victorian era. So this girl was super, super, super poor. She sold match six to make a living. And she was only like five. And one day she got lost in the city or something. And so she had to light the matches to keep warm. And the next morning her grandmother found her frozen to death. And I just cried and <gasps> cried and cried and cried. Oh my Because God. I was a child in the children's museum. That's that's not okay to put in a children's museum. Nope, but it's just, it was just in the whole room full of all the children's stories because it's completely normal. And it's like, I don't understand. Can we, like, start cutting those out? We don't need those. Yeah. And then I went back when I was much, much older. And even, obviously, like, I still remember the time I read that when I was, like, seven. And I went back when I was much, much older. Like, I think I was 16. I went with my little sister. That's the nice thing about having a sister born much later. (laughs) And I knew not, I didn't even go in that room. But Mm -hmm. they have a play structure that's like lasagna. Oh. And I was going through one of the tunnels that was a noodle. And I didn't realize it flipped over. (gasps) It was these barrels that turned. And I was too big, frankly. And I couldn't get out because every time I got back on my knees, my butt would make us flip over. Me flip over. 
me and my butt are two different people. <laughs> it would make me flip over. And so I have a very loving family, okay? I called my dad for help. My dad didn't understand what was going on. Just crawl out Sabrina until he realized that that was happening and he thought it was hilarious. So he grabbed onto it and started spinning me like a hamster. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been traumatized by the Children's Museum. Oh, my gosh. I would go oh. back, but not with my dad. Yes. yes. Yes, yes, Plus, he would also have to pull everyone to the side so that they can hear the story of the time I did that. <laughs> yeah. There was, like, a flock of, like, four- and five-year-old children laughing at me, too. Oh. <laughs> yep. Glad I could be oh. their entertainment. So where do we go after the after we're traumatized at the Children's Museum? The next one is number eight. That is Grant's Farm, and it's a farm. Oh, wow. That's crazy. There's a... There's apparently a collection of animals from six continents here. And it's just a random house in the middle of St. Louis. That's a farm. Okay. Yeah. Did, like, the city... Sorry, I have hiccups. Did the city grow around the farm? Is that why it's in the middle of the city? I think potentially because the house does look very old. Like, it looks old-timey, for sure. Okay, so where do we go next? Number seven is the Forest Park, and it is the site of the World's Fairground during the Louisiana Purchase Exposition in 1904. Okay, did you go? No. To neither the World Fair or the park? Cool, got it. No, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number six is the Basilica of St. Louis, which is a church built in 1907. I feel like the words Basilica and St. Louis, I never expected to hear together. Right? It's kind of weird. <laughs> when I think Basilica, I think, like, European. But it looks yes. very European. Like, it really does. Well, that's the big, I think it's St. Peter's Cathedral in New York. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to go. Yes. yes. However, I am Googling it because I want to see what it looks like. Yes. Yes. It looks very pretty. Very pretty. Uh, oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, it looks so pretty. Yeah. Kind of random, but so pretty. Right? (laughs) Right? It's, like, very random. I love how on my map, because there's two of them, apparently. Mm. So there's Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis, and then Basilica of St. Louis, King of something. King of France. It's the Cathedral Basilica. Okay, okay. That's the one I'm looking at. But it shows me those two on my map, and then an Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. So I guess you go to one, you go to Ikea, and then you gotta go to the other to pay for your sins for buying all of that. Listen, you gotta get those Swedish meatballs, like... That's true, that's true. Cheap coffee. Yeah, exactly. Okay, where are we going after we uh, hit up the Ikea and the Basilica? Yes. Number five is the City Museum, which, you know how I mentioned Children's Museum, but for adults? Mm Mm-hmm. That's what the city museum is. Oh, dope. Now I'm Googling that too. Yeah. It's basically a massive, like, kind of adult playground in a museum form. And every time I talk to someone from St. Louis, this is the, like, top thing that they mention you've got to do when you're in St. Louis. Is you've got to go to the city museum. Like, it's a 10-story factory building that's been transformed into, like, basically this amazing playground museum. Like, Oh, look at that. That is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it has like planes in it. It has like a UFO on the roof. I swear to God, or is that a boat? It's either a UFO or a boat or something. I see a praying mantis as well. Yep. So it's just really awesome. That does look really cool, and like a castle. Yeah. Cool. Really. Okay. Well, you know, it's a big deal where I just start typing in city museum, and they're like city museum St. Louis. So that means it's oh. it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I go by Google. Google recommendations means it's a big deal. Yes, exactly. Number four is for our sports fans out there. Bush Stadium, right by the Gateway Arch where the St. Louis Cardinals play. That is a baseball team. I know that. Yes. Baseball, yes. Where does the hockey team play? Uh, I cannot tell you, but I have <laughs> been there. I have been there. I went to a Blues game while I was there in St. Louis. Okay, did they win or lose? I can't remember. I was okay. too overwhelmed. It's very overwhelming at a hockey game. Yo, I, I can't I completely understand that. I honestly only go for the fights. <laughs> that I honestly I just went for like the organ player. Like he did amazing. Like Okay, we don't have that. 
oh, he was so good. It was awesome. Well, I would just, a quick tip for anyone, if you're going to a hockey game just for the fights like I do, go to the lower levels. Yes. Like, um, when I go to my mom's hometown, they're just small towns playing against small towns. They will kill each other and then oh. go for beer after. It's Like, it's all just for the sport. But yeah. the higher up, you, you don't want to do that because then you get, like, suspended or you get in trouble or you get charged. They don't want to do that. So, smaller teams. Even, like, here we have the Jets, which is the same level as the St. Louis Blues. And then yeah. right under them, they have the team that if someone gets hurt, they pull from that team. Uh-huh. Even they will kick ass. I've gone to games where I think they played, they fought more than they played. Oh, wow. And because oh, it's, wow. it's cheaper, like it's 25 bucks rather than 125 bucks to go to the game, you can sit front row. Oh, wow. Sorry, the average person can sit front row. Right. And have a great time watching them try to kill each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is uh. a little frightening, though, when they slam into those boards right in front of you. Oh, yeah, I'm The sure. first time I went, I was unprepared for that. Oh. And then oh, I grew man. to love it, so. That's good. That's good, that's good. Okay, so after we watch a baseball game, though, where do we go next? Number three is the Missouri Botanical Garden, which is the oldest and most prestigious botanical garden in the United States. Fancy. Fancy. Uh, number two is the St. Louis Zoo, and I have been here. Very cool. I did read something about the St. Louis Zoo, but I can't remember what now. It's free. Oh, right. So that would be when yeah. I discussed all the free things we could do. That's cool. Yes. So the St. Louis Zoo is completely free, and it has, like, so many animals, and they're really well taken care of. Like, I went there, and, like, there's just a lot of care and attention, like, given to them. So it's really, really nice zoo. And I don't like zoos, and I'm saying that. Like... I really like that it's free because a lot of zoos, um, not everyone can go. Right, exactly. Frankly, if you're a family of four and it's 25 bucks to go, that's $100 for an hour. Exactly. And it's like, it's so good that it's free. Yeah. Yeah. And number one is... McDonald's. The Gateway Arch. The Gateway Arch or the Door to the West, as they've said. Uh, I read that it was actually built in two parts. Both legs were built and they met in the middle. If yep. they were off by just a little bit, it would have screwed it all up, which is crazy. Yep. yep. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. And I didn't go to that one. I've never actually seen the arch. <laughs> you haven't seen? I assumed you'd be able to see it from everywhere. You can see it, like, driving in and, like, you can kind of see it from certain areas, but I didn't go, and I've been told not, like, it's too expensive to go up it, but I, yeah. I just didn't go, because I only had a day, so. I get that. To be honest, I'm not really into, like, I love cityscapes, like, uh, you've been to Shanghai? Yes. I Wait. loved... No. <laughs> oh, okay. Um... <laughs> So if you go, if you go to Shanghai, you can watch, well, you've seen my pictures. They were all taken from the other side of the river. Yes. I like that. I don't necessarily understand wanting to go and watch it from above. Right. Yes. So, and like, I feel the same way about New York. Like you can go up all of those buildings for $40 each at best. Or I could take pictures of the building and be happy. Exactly. It's kind of like the Olympic observation tower. And Beijing, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather just have pictures of it and of the bird's nest and stuff. Yeah, and honestly, especially that one, you're so high up, you can't really, like, it's too high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Maddie, would you like to hear about my case? I'm excited based off the pictures, uh, because I probably have not heard of this one. Well, that's, like I said, I'm trying to, I could have done the one where a billion T people died. But right. that does mean a billion T people have heard of it. Right. I am going for a more unique perspective. And today I'm taking you, we're leaving St. Louis and we're going to hell. Ooh, let's go. Have you ever considered going, uh, Maddie? <laughs> to hell? Yes. Probably by my very Southern Baptist grandmother's uh, perception of me, I might be going. Yeah, (laughs) unfortunately, I own every cop or every um, every Twilight book. So that if you live in the Caribbean, that's that's a very quick way to get to hell. 
Yep, I've read like, every Harry Potter, which is witchcraft. Ooh, yeah, so, yeah, so I owe tarot cards, which is also yes. witchcraft. So, but yes, so we've discussed the ways we think we'd have to go to hell. We'd have to do <laughs> things we would have to do to go to hell. However, yes. if you go, if you leave St. Louis and just go a little bit, uh, it looked kind of east to Collinsville, Illinois. Okay. We have to just drive through seven gates to get to hell. Great, let's go. So, and I did include, I really hope this is near the St. Louis I'm supposed to be covering. So, I was so nervous I would be doing the wrong St. Louis, and I just kind of decided to go with it. The yes. gates consist of seven railroad trestles, or bridges. They just look like bridges. They were built in the 1800s to help the trains get through the mining town. The roads passing under these bridges are not used too much an anymore, which has caused the bridges to deteriorate and get overgrown, which mm -hmm. definitely ups the creepiness factor. Oh. Um, from the videos I've watched, they are also covered in graffiti. I have read everything from, you know, just BLM to I Love Satan. So we sure got a range there. <laughs> Yes. However, the, the I Love Satan was, like, big and broad, right on top of everything. Right. Their offer is, like, 100 years of graffiti, so it's hard. To, it's actually kind of colorful. Like, they're kind of pretty. Other than the I yeah. Love Satan part. Um, and if you look, there's probably a swastika drawn in there. But in general, the colors on top of the colors is really pretty. Yeah. I'm looking at the pictures now. It's really pretty. Also, I looked up the town, and you're, like, legit a suburbs of St. Louis. So you're so good. Yay! I'm actually They're really happy to hear so that. Good. Yeah. So the bridges are also reported to be home to weird activity, including KKK meetings, occult sacrifices, Ooh. which may include murder, and paranormal activity. Ooh. However, because they are lesser known, they were a little harder to find. Oh. So I actually found my main source is a woman who's a she's a travel blogger. And she actually did them during the day. She did oh. them. Oh. So I'm going with what she found. And then I also found two videos. And I went through the comment section. Oh. And got things off the comment sections. Yes. I love that. Yes. That's the first that. time I've done that. And I'm definitely going to keep, keep that in mind for next time. Yes. Ooh, so okay. there are two possible ways we could get to hell through these gates. Option one has you driving through each gate in numerical order until you reach seven. Now, once you reach seven, you must drive through it at exactly midnight, which will cause a portal to open up and hellhounds will come drag you to hell. <sighs> and to be honest, even the worst airline I've flown with has better service than that. <laughs> like, <laughs> even if I wanted to get to hell, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want the dogs to drag me there. Like, can I walk? Right. Oh, my God. I'm in a car. Can I just continue driving or something? Yeah. Now, option two confused me just a tiny bit. So option two is when you drive through them in descending order, um, it says you need to drive through them in reverse. And I'm not sure if that means that like you need to back up or if you just drive seven to one. Yeah, that, that's a little oh. confusing. Yeah. And if you look at the photos I've sent you, I would not recommend you might actually make it to an afterlife if you drive <laughs> through them back. I would true. not recommend that. So yeah. I would suggest just going through them facing forward but go through from seven to one yeah and I think that's possibly how you're supposed to do it because if once you go through number one although there doesn't seem to be a time limit on that so I think you can get through it there anywhere at night yeah. but you should see a tear in reality possibly through your rearview mirror oh and that tear should show you hell so it's oh. less of a visit more of a glimpse which I'm actually more for yeah. <laughs> oh, Maddie, this is something we talk about when we discuss Ouija boards. We're not told how to close these. Right. Ah. So there's that. Yeah. Ooh. You know, when you were saying option one, how to get through, I immediately thought of the elevator game. Yeah, with... we don't. I, that one yeah. just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. And see, this, to be honest, I am uh, not sure if I believe this at all. Yeah. But the elevator game, the concept that you could, it's still a doorway that takes you places. Could you end up in a new reality and be trapped there? I, nope, nope. That makes nope, me nope, so. Nope, Out, out, out. We talked a vibe. In our Madrid episode, I would do the light of the feather game. I will not do the elevator game. Yes. 
even just a simple possibility that maybe those doors will get stuck closed for a little bit, even in my reality, is too much for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I was saying, the um, the source, my main source, she gives really good details as to how to get to each of these ones or each of these mm-hmm. gates okay. because they are kind of confusing. Um, but she'll literally just go down this street, turn left at that street. When you reach this, turn right. Like, she's very detailed. So if anyone would actually like to do this, she's in my... Um, I do, I'm not going to do that on the on here. But her her source is in my notes. There we go. And I would remind you, though, it appears to be quite dangerous to drive through these if you're not paying attention. And there are a lot of blind spots and not a lot of places to pull over. So do this very carefully. And most importantly, do them out of order. Yeah. And be, like, extra careful at night. It's already so dangerous, like, driving during the day. It's just so much more dangerous during night. Yeah. During the night. Because a lot of them, like, you cannot see who's coming around in through them. And they appear to be... uh, Well, they were made in the 1800s when cars were not as popular and smaller. Yeah. I was about to say, they look tiny. Like, they look really tiny. They look pretty one way. Yeah. So definitely. And do the motor order because I just really, I'm stuck with the, that's fine. If you guys want to see how that's totally cool. But how do you close it? Yep. Yep. I like to think that they have actually done this backwards or they have mixed it up a little bit. Uh, Option one is how to see hell and then you got to back up to close hell. Mm. Didn't see that anywhere. I have just made that up, but I like to think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's got to be a way to close these. Yes. Okay. So, gate one uh, seems like it's actually in town. So, it seems to be the least creepy because it's still probably used relatively often. And I didn't see any interesting stories about gate one. So, it's just, you got to drive through gate one. Now, gate two is two and a half miles away from the first. There are a couple stories that go with gate two. Story one is based around two boys who were both in love with the same girl. Now, I don't know whether boy one thought this was a solution to the problem or he just didn't want to deal with the problem. But one of the boys hung himself from the bridge. Um, I don't understand how that made sense. But, yeah. And his friend felt so much remorse remorse over his friend's death that he also hung himself there. Oh. Yes. And that seems to be pretty common. There was a lot of hangings at these bridges. Right. right. So, and and the next one is, I'm just trying to get through these. Another story is there was a KKK attack where they hunted down and hanged a young man. Uh, Yeah. uh, You can still apparently see the hanging men at night, as well as an apparition of a man and child, which I don't know much about. Hmm. Um, and there was some videos that I watched as well, and they were a little harder to piece together because they were just kind of, they looked, they weren't home videos, but they kind of had that vibe. They were very choppy. So at one of these gates as well, there's a lot of car crashes. Oh. And you can often see apparitions during the car crash and after the car crash, whether they looked like humans or maybe pigs. Oh. Yes. So there's definitely a lot of activity around these gates. Mm-hmm. So gate three is a half mile from the second gate. And gate four is about 400 feet away from the first gate. They're close enough that they are called twin gates. Oh. And a lot of the stories or activities are are counted together or they happen between them. So there okay. seems to be a weird gate or like a weird portion in between. And apparently the vibe here is just really weird. Ugh. So there are reports of satanic rituals and sacrifices happening between them. Apparently, the most frequent experience here is that in a, the um, woman who wrote this article says she found she experienced it herself. That if you pull over either between them or possibly if you drive slow enough through them. And remember, the roads are narrow. So both of these options are quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. But you can hear a car approaching from the fourth gate, but it never arrives. Oh. Yeah. And I don't know how close this is to another road, whether there's like a weird sound tunnel or something. Right. But she's she's experienced it herself during the day. Mm -hmm. She pulled over to see if she can get a photo of the car coming because she'd heard about this. So she'd like proof that it's 
not real, really. And no car ever arrived. So in the early 1900s, there were also a lot of KKK hangings here. Um, That happened maybe not at these two gates, but at another trussel that no longer exists, but it's a very short distance from gate three. Mm, Like I read that it was only a couple feet from gate three, which feels really weirdly close. Mm. But it could be, you know, one's going that way, the other one's going this way. Yeah. So gate gate four also appears to be the creepiest as everything from the rituals and sometimes the sacrifices are just left here when it's done. Oh. So carcasses and stuff are very common to find between here. Yeah. So now we're going to gate five, which is honestly, I thought gate five just looked so peaceful. Um, It is almost completely overgrown by bushes. Oh. So during the day, it's kind of cute. I imagine at night, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it is also very narrow and dark because of all the bushes, which probably makes it also the most dangerous so far. As right. you can't see who is coming. So if you want to pull off, do so a good distance away. Oh. Gotcha. And gate six, there are two bridges for gate six. So I'm not sure if gate six is acid bridge or if it's sometimes confused with Acid Bridge. Oh. Either way, Acid Acid Bridge must be nearby, and it is often included in, like, its stories are normally joined with these stories. Right. So Acid Bridge, uh, it's called this because there was a group of teenagers driving while high on LSD, and they either crashed into the bridge or drove off of the bridge in a really bad crash. Jesus Christ. Um... At night, don't the do park. drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to, don't drive, please. Yeah, like that's my main thing is just don't drive. Yeah, because um, you're not only putting yourself in danger, but you're putting everyone else in danger. Yes. At night, a ghost car can still be seen reliving this crash. Ooh. And like they've talked about this on wine and no, uh, and that's why we drink. I really hope that's like a residual haunting that's not being experienced over and over again. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. now we're at gate seven. It is the furthest away from all the other gates, which may possibly act as a deterrent for some. People like kind of give up as they're trying to get there. Yeah. During the day, this gate seems the most intimidating. Um, I have not found any reports from anyone who was drove here at night. So maybe that's kind of a trick. It could be a lot more intimidating at night. And I really don't know what it looks like from the other side at 12.01 a.m. So I, yeah, I didn't find any reports of anyone who's fully done this. Right. Everyone who has done it, uh, did it during the day. And they said even during the day, it made them extremely uncomfortable. Oh. Like, you just get a bad vibe. And I don't see why not. Right. Like, midnight is obviously the the special time. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And night is when things are strongest. But I don't know why. I don't see why they would just completely leave during the day. Yeah. So, people have said, like, even just driving through, you know, not intentionally trying to do them. Just stopping by to see certain ones for this purpose. And they just got a very uncomfortable feeling. Mm. So anyway, I also told you that I went through some of the comments. Yes. So yes. the comments for the two videos. Um, some of them were. There's definitely more to the story that I don't know. Because mm. some of them were very. I don't understand the context for this, but that's interesting. Tell me more. But it was three years ago, and nobody said anything else. Right. There were there were also a couple comments like I I enjoyed that. I'm gonna go do that tonight. Posted three years ago and no response to anyone asking. So I like to think that someone who just logged out of um, YouTube and forgot that they did that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So one comment said that obviously at night is the time to go or not. And if you take photos, you may capture red or yellow eyes watching you from the bushes (gasps) and possibly even get images of hellhounds. Oh, no, 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 no. See, this is the one that gets me the most. You will get the feeling that you are being watched. Uh, uh, mm. And that that makes me the most uncomfortable. 
I'm itchy. I'm like, I'm like scratching my legs. I'm like so itchy when you said that. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm so glad I'm in a tiny room right now. Otherwise, I'd be very uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm glad it's daytime where I'm at. I'm just that like, too. Oh. That too. Yes. <laughs> so another said he grew up around in the area and he knew some people who did satanic rituals there. Oh. Uh, he also said he knew he knows the the priest who does the funeral rites there. Which didn't make any sense to me. Like a satanic priest that does funeral rites? Or... I, well, see, he didn't fill that in at all. He just said he knows the priest who does the funeral rites there. Interesting. Yes. And he, however, he also said it changes a lot at night. He said that actually uh, the legends pale in comparison to the real thing. Oh. Oh. Yes. So that's why it's like, okay, can you fill me in on more, please? Yes, like... Because the videos that I was watching, they were actually done by, like, a local news station. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the news, they're doing it more as in, like, a general interest story. Right. So they weren't getting too deep into it. Um, they were cutting back and forth between stories to kind of put it all together. Make it extra interesting, but also not too interesting, so it could be played at, like, 10 o'clock news. Yeah. So it was hard to follow a little bit. So yeah, there was also, also yeah. Also, real quick, um, when they mention like satanic satanic stuff, it's not the satanic temple, right? No, I'm gonna go with more. It was just teens doing yeah, weird like shit. Sat- like Satanism, but not the satanic temple of the religious organization. Yeah, I'm gonna go with okay. absolutely not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, most, like, you know how it goes. It's just all the churches. It's all just Satan worshipping. Right. Exactly. Nobody actually looks into whether these people are just, whether they're rebelling, they're crazy, or they're actually part of something serious. Right, right. Yeah. So another te- teen said that they would drive out onto the tracks and put flour on the car and handprints would appear in it. <gasps> oh. Yeah. However, this is that part makes sense to me. This part is one of the ones where you I needed more context. The same writer said that when it rained, it smelt like death. Which oh, I would be fine with until they said that people were not buried properly there. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. The only thing that could make sense is that there was a cemetery near Gate One, and I'm really hoping they're not suggested that the whole cemetery wasn't buried properly. Right. Because that sounds like its own type of problem. Right. Oh. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that is everything I have for driving to the gate through the gates of hell. In wow. Japan. And there appear to be more gates of hell throughout the world. So, like, if you're not from the United States, you don't have to trek all the way to the United States. There is probably <laughs> one near you. There probably is one. Yes. You ask Siri, like, hey, Siri, how do I get to hell? And she'll probably have a snarky response. <laughs> He's actually ignoring me right now, so that's nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Yes, Good so I think that's a little, more diff- little different. Um, if yeah. we end up doing a day trip, maybe we'll have to do a day trip to the place of the billion tea dead people. Yes. <laughs> I am just stuck on a billion tea. And a if billion I, tea. I think if I were to write that... Um, episode i'd probably do it in the voice of snoop dogg yes yes (laughs) with shit (laughs) okay and i saw your photos so where are we going today oh well first of all great case thank you for telling me about that um that looks really interesting and i wanted to go to collinsville anyway because um i just remembered that's where the cahokia mountains are i don't know what those are they're um Oh, God. So that area of Illinois is called Little Egypt because apparently there was this archaeological hoax in like the early days where there was a bunch of treasure buried in these Mississippi mounds by the native people. Okay, I've heard of them. Yes. Yes. So one of those locations is the Cahokia Mounds and they're just like this super cool like archaeological like thing now. And they're from the uh, native people who lived back then. 
Oh, that is dope. Honestly, I was thinking about it. If we ever get big enough on this podcast, I look forward to touring with you one day. Not yes. necessarily because I want to like tour and do live shows, but we can hit up all these places. Yes. Yes. Like that would be dope. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, we need to add New Orleans to our list of oh places my God, I want- to do. Uh, no, because I want to go to New Orleans so bad, I will empty okay. my bank account for that episode. <laughs> okay, okay. And especially right now, I am in that kind of mental state where I will have a mental crack. Mm-hmm. And you're going to you're gonna log into Skype and be like, wow, J- that looks like Jackson Square behind you. And I'll be like, bitch, it is. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is girl's trip. Girl's trip, yes. Girl's trip, yes. Okay, well, we can add that to the list. I will get, I'll get through that. I'll I'll call, you know what? I will call it trip planning. Yes. So we are going, where are we going? Okay. Focusing back (laughs) to St. Louis. Um, So uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a warning. Uh, This case is a dark one. So listener discretion is advised. uh, A trigger warning for corpse mutilation. And, yeah, just all the bad stuff. Wonderful. Uh, Yes. I'm also going to switch it up a little bit as this case is a little unique. Um, So we're going to start with the setting and the victims. And then I'll get to the killer later. All right. St. Louis, 1990. This Midwest city is bustling with activity. Union Square was just remodeled. The St. Louis Cardinals placed sixth in their division, and the St. Louis Blues finished second in their league. The weather was nice that year, with light snow in January and February and cool temperatures in the summer. The city of the Gateway Arch was alive and well. Until a body was found between two mattresses on Highway E in North St. Louis on March 26, 1990. This was the package killer's first victim. Robin Meehan was 18 years old when she was sadly murdered. Robin was a mother of two children and led a hard life. To make ends meet, she worked as a call girl on a phone sex hotline to feed her children and her cocaine addiction. On the night in question, the hotline was out of order, so Robin and a friend of hers took to the South Side Stroll on South Jefferson Avenue and Cherokee Street. This area is known as an unofficial red light district in St. Louis, so it was common for men to drive along and pick up women for prostitution. This is why Robin had her friends with her. When one of them would get in the car, they would ask the driver to circle the block one more time for the friend to write down the license plate and a description of the car driver. It was a measure of security that didn't work that night. Robin got into the car and was abducted. Four days later, her body resurfaced tied between two mattresses on Highway E. Robin's body was found bloodied and a ligature around her neck. There was a stab wound in her head and contusions on her face, cheek, wrist, and feet. Some of them were defensive wounds, others were post-mortem. An ex-boyfriend of Robin's said, quote, whoever did that to Robin deserves to be sent to hell the same way he sent Robin to heaven, unquote. Now, I would like to say that Robin's death shook the community, but sadly, because of her profession, her murder didn't even make the news in St. Louis. There was a potential suspect in her murder, a man who frequented the Southside strolls and was known for raping prostitutes, but... He had an alibi and was not seen with Robin that night, so there was not enough evidence to try him. So, at the moment, Robin's case remained unsolved. Seven months later, in October of 1990, a body was found in a trash can by two municipal workers. This is the body of the package killer's second victim, Brenda Pruitt. Brenda was 27 years old, and her family had reported her missing five months earlier in May. Brenda lived near the ex- the Brenda lived near the intersection of South Grand Boulevard and Cherokee Street. When Brenda was found, she was in the trash can that was wrapped in a garbage bag and tied with a wire. A ligature was wrapped around her neck, a cloth tied around her mouth and eyes. Her legs were pulled tight to her chest, like she was folded like cardboard. Now, it took a while for Brenda's body to be identified because she was badly decomposed. 
but the police department were finally able to do it thanks to some surviving fingerprints. Brenda's family thinks that Brenda maybe had a conversation with the package killer before her death. Brenda was taking out her daughter, Danielle, for ice cream on Cherokee Street. While Danielle, who was nine years old at the time, ate the ice cream, Brenda got into an argument with a man in an alley, and Brenda came back to her daughter in tears. After that, Danielle didn't see her mom for weeks. Now, unlike Robin, Brenda's murder did catch the city's attention, mostly because she wasn't associated with sex work and led a fairly normal life. Also, while the investigators were trying to identify Brenda, another victim was discovered, and Brenda, Robin, and the third victim were finally linked together. St. Louis had a serial killer on their hands. Sandy Little, our third victim, was 21 years old with a nine-month-old son. She lived on Cherokee Street and was a sex worker to support herself and her son. Her body was found in a wooden box on Interstate 70 on February 1991. She was reported missing on September 4th, 1990. She had similar wounds to Robin and Brenda. Ligature around the neck, faces covered, defensive wounds. Sandy was trying to get clean from a cocaine addiction for her son, and when they found her body, she was in her uniform from a fast food restaurant that she was working at. Family described her as a beloved niece and, quote, she was a sweet girl, unquote. Now, with Sandy's death, the city was on high alert, especially sex workers. It was reported in the newspaper that many sex workers stopped going to the Southside Stroll and relocated to different areas. This also shook up the sex workers as a man in Kansas City, Missouri, which is three hours from St. Louis, killed six sex workers as well and was arrested at the same time as Sandy's body was found. And also, our fourth victim surfaced at this time. Donna Rettmeyer, age 40, was found inside a dumpster wrapped in a plastic garbage bag. She was a mother of three, but also led a hard life, similar to Robin, addicted to drugs and resorted to sex work. She was repeatedly arrested for it and just had a really rough life. An exact cause of death couldn't be determined for Donna, but investigators did determine that it was a homicide. Now, the investigators had four murders on their hands, all of similar background and similar ways. The media gave the serial killer the nickname the package killer because of how they left the bodies in packages, quote unquote packages. The investigators worked tirelessly to identify the killer and the FBI became involved in the case after Donna's murder. There were a few prime suspects. There was a man who lived on Miami Street who was interviewed on multiple occasions. But the man didn't recognize or know any of the women, and the only evidence supposedly linking him to the murder was the same candle wax that was found on Robin's body. But the candle wax was sold at hundreds of different outlets, so that man was ruled out as a suspect. Throughout the 1990s, the detectives investigated more than 450 leads over three years. More than 50 investigators worked on this case. Detectives at the time said, quote, He's playing games with us, leaving bodies out in the open, and he's doing a good job, unquote. In 1993, the killings stopped, and the package killer was never identified. These ladies' cases remained unsolved. Thanks, Maddie. Until March 2022! Oh my gosh, no, 2018 changed the world. We get DNA <laughs> testing. Yep. Yes. yep. yes. So, these ladies' cases remained unsolved until March of 2022. Police Sergeant Jody Weber, who was working in the cold case department, reopened the cases due to advancements in DNA. After running the DNA and combing over the physical evidence, she got a hit on Gary Merleberg, an inmate charged with murder in 1995 and serving a life sentence. Wanting to do her due diligence, Jody went to the prison and interviewed him. He confessed to every single murder and pled guilty to each woman's murder. So well, that was easy. 
Who was Gary Merleberg? Gary Merleberg was born in February 1949 in St. Louis, Missouri. He had a good childhood as his parents took good care of their children and his father served on the board of directors, uh, the board of governors in St. Louis. So a very prosperous environment. After graduating from school in 1968, Gary and his older brother were drafted into the army to go fight in Vietnam. Gary did not see combat, however, as he was stationed on American soil, but his brother was killed in action during one of the battles in the Mekong Delta. When Gary finished his service, he went back to his parents' home and in June 1970, married his high school sweetheart. They had a son together shortly after the wedding. So, normal guy, right? Wrong. Wrong! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I had that written down. Yes! <laughs> In 1972, Murberg was arrested for robbing and raping an 18-year-old girl in Salina, Kansas. After this, he was convicted of a robbery charge, but was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He was transferred to a veteran's hospital where he underwent treatment for several months. When he was considered no longer a threat to society, he was released and moved back to St. Louis. After that, he was arrested again for assaulting a 14-year-old girl. He was convicted and served a five-year prison sentence. He paroled in 1977, and his wife divorced him and permanently lost contact with her and his son. He began to go further into a downward spiral as he experienced unemployment problems and financial hardship. He remarried and had two additional children, but the relationship deteriorated quickly and they divorced in 1986. Mulberg then gave up legal ways of making money and started dealing drugs. He built a fake wall in his basement of his house where he stored his drugs, and that was supposedly his torture chamber for the four women that he murdered. He started to visit sex workers, often inviting them to his house. He tried to buy and sell used cars, but was unsuccessful. And that brings us to Robin's murder in 1990. And we know what happened with those four women. So now, why was he in prison? In early 1993, Mulberg was trying to sell a 1989 Cadillac Fleetwood. I know nothing about cars, so... It's a Cadillac, so it would have been big and it would have drove well. There we go. <laughs> Sabrina knows cars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so he was trying to sell this car, and 57-year-old Kenneth Atchison wanted to purchase it. Atchison went to Moberg's house and then went missing. Atchison's brother reported his disappearance to the police, and the police was also contacted by a friend of Moberg, can I just pause you for a second? Yes. Can we just stop going to people's houses to buy shit? Yes. Like, like my stop. mother keeps telling me I'm paranoid. And it's like, no, mom, you're going to a man's house to go into his house to collect a book stand. I'm not letting, I'm not paranoid. It's just for both sides. He doesn't know if you're coming to kill him in his own house and you are entering his house. Exactly. And the exactly. amount of times, cars as well, the amount of times people have gone to someone's house, oh, I'm just going to go test drive a car, and then they were never seen again. Right. You bring someone right. with you. Bring someone with you or agree to meet in a public location, like a McDonald's yes. parking lot, like somewhere yes. with cameras. Like, Yeah, my mother's like, got this theory that I listen to too much true crime, and I totally do. <laughs> but there are times where it's like, no, I'm not being crazy. We're not doing this. Yeah, it's it's our safety precautions, yes. you know, like. So, yeah, PSA. Okay, you can continue now. Yeah, yeah. Stop going to people's houses. Put it on the list of the do's and don'ts. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're not just making lists of how to get away with murder. We're also helping you not get murdered. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so unfortunately, right. this man didn't listen to us. Exactly. Yes, unfortunately. So Atchison's brother reported his disappearance to the police, and the police were also contacted by a friend of Merleberg, who told the police that he was offered to make a box that could be used as a coffin. Six weeks. No. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you, bud, for going to the police with that. Like, yes. 
Well, I was just listening to one where it's like, yeah, my friend said he was going to do this, but I thought he was joking. And then he wasn't joking. It's like, no. Yeah. No. Plus, it also depends on who. And Maddie, if you joke about, you know, going crazy and killing everyone, I'll be like, girl, you need to go drink a glass of wine. (laughs) If you have, if you're, you were already making me uncomfortable, you have past experiences. eh, No, I'm going to tell you to drink the wine because it'll slow you down while I go to go to the cops. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So I'm glad this guy listened. Right. Exactly. Good. Six weeks after his disappearance, another one of Muralberg's friends contacted the authorities. Muralberg had tried to hire him for some work removing items from his basement to a nearby landfill, including a coffin with male socks hanging out of it. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Not related, but have you seen those um, Halloween decorations where you can get, like, a pair of legs sticking out of the back trunk of your yep. car? Yeah. I was I was walking by a car one time, and I was prepared to call the cops. They scared the shit out of me. I'd never seen that before. And then, of course, I realized that they were, like, they looked like grown feet, but they were tiny. I was like, right. oh, those are rubber. But also, no, you can't do that to someone who listens to true, true crime. Exactly. Exactly. So... Also good on this friend for also contacting the authorities. Honestly, these friends seem pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not good friends to him. They're just good humans. Yeah. I, I heard, I read that when they were describing him at the time that he was just a local menace, like the locals did not like him. Like, yeah, they, they just did not like him like at all. Yeah. That's always a sign that something's wrong. Yeah. 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 So officers finally had enough to obtain a search warrant and went to arrest Muhlberg, but surprise, surprise, he had fled the state. The officers discovered Atcherton's body and they went on a manhunt. They found him in Wayne County, Illinois, and detained him. He was charged with murder in 1995 and sentenced to life without parole, which is why the package killing stopped, because he was literally in jail for a completely unrelated murder. And that brings us to today, where the package killer cases are now closed and the family have finally gained so much closure. Gary Moberg, 74 years old now, now serves five life sentences consecutively without parole. He's imprisoned at the Potosi Correctional Center in Missouri, where he will spend the rest of his days. And that's my case. And that was wonderful. It ended, you know, positively. Happy ending! <laughs> yeah, yeah. As happy as it can be. And man, I'm really glad his friends were going to the police. Yes. And it sounded like they were collecting. It wasn't that they weren't listening. They were just collecting. Yeah. Which yes. is re- a really nice change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but also, like, the sting of this case was that they got him because he murdered a man. Yeah. And that he had completely changed his MO. Like he was murdering young women who had children. All of these women had to have children. Like yeah. and it was the 1990s. So Sabrina, their 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 children is like our age. Yeah. They had to deal with like the death of a mother and they oh, he like impacted families so much. And if like there is um news footage on youtube because again the the case resurfaced in 2022 of the families coming forward and talking to him in court and like giving their impact statements and it's just so heartbreaking like to hear these family members talk about how it impacted their lives that these women were taking from them yeah. Well, it's and, like we discussed in the in the uh, Gucci case. Like, it goes so much more than just the killer and the killed. Exactly. Exactly. So many people are affected by it and impacted by it. And it's just... Uh. Well, and with, with murder specifically, like, it doesn't end. You still have to go through the trial and everything or hunting the person to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I am glad that the families do get closure and that they're like, yeah, this guy's never getting out of prison. Like, never. 
Yeah, I think most, I, I know Canada doesn't do consecutive um, sentences. I think they might have actually broke that rule for Clifford Olson. Oh. Uh, he's in, I think he might be in consecutively, or he's got like a serious uh, sentence. Mm-hmm. And I don't always agree with putting someone in prison forever, depending on their crime. I do believe in rehabilitation. Right. But when it comes to stuff like this, it's like, no, you're not, you're not changing. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. especially if you had the ability to change your MO as well, that mm-hmm. means you're not really drawn to one thing. You're just drawn to killing. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I read in, I didn't include it in the notes, but I read in one of the articles I was reading that a criminologist was like, yeah, killers kill, like, change their MOs all the time so they can keep killing. And we just happened yeah. to find him right as he changed his MO. Yeah. And, but that's why for 20, no, 35 years, like, they couldn't link him with the other four murders. Yeah. Because they they just didn't think, oh, this guy also murdered four women. They just thought, oh, no, he just murdered the one. They didn't think to, ask him. Like, had he not confessed, they may have never found evidence. Exactly. exactly. Like, uh, they have DNA, but, like, you need more than just that. Exactly. Yeah. So. And I, I have to get a shout out to uh, the police sergeant, Jody Weber, who was working in the cold case department. She worked on this case for like five years. Like, ever since the advancement in DNA came out in 2018, she was working on these cases and like just combing over physical evidence to try to find something to solve these cases for these families. We want answers. Like yeah. we as humans naturally want answers. And so, yeah, it was really good with this case that it was closed and we got that closure. Yes. Well, and I can't, I can't imagine like I am completely unrelated to the case mm-hmm. and I want to know um, the Delphi murders. Oh Yeah. I think a lot of us were so invested. We want, because we we can, I also, like, you and I specifically can relate to those little true crime girls. Yes. Like, they were, they would have totally had their own podcast one day, too. Right. But we're not, we don't know those girls, but we're totally invested. I can't imagine being a parent or just someone who actually knows them and to finally get, you know, not only is he caught, but he will never do this to anyone else. Yeah. Oh. I just looked up the Delphi murders. There's a new 2023 update. Yeah. January? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they have him now. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. 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 I yeah. They him. have, they, there's right. more to come too. They think, they think they have him plus there might be another person involved. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So they still, we sure. definitely have one guy. Uh, we're hoping that maybe if there's another guy, we'll have him soon. Right. Right. So, right. Oh, I'm following that. Oh, good, good. I'm glad someone <laughs> I'm good at, like, listening and researching, but I don't really follow up on things. It's bad. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's hard to follow, because like we had with the Madeline McCann case, that went nowhere. Yep. yep exactly. Um. So it's hard to, I don't want to get my hopes up, but no, the police in the Delphi murder had a press conference for that. That's real. Um, and even then I just kind of wait when I first start seeing something pop up on my feed I wait a couple days when every um, thing I follow is posting about it then maybe there's something to it yeah yeah. so yeah they actually really do have one person Um, I don't know if he's went to trial yet but they are they're keeping things close to the vest because they've got more as well so that will come up eventually yes Yes. All right. so we wrap this up Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for flying with us today. Join us in two weeks as we prepare your flight to Nova Scotia, Canada, and be sure to check out the next day trip next week. Comment and share wherever you find your podcast. It's a great way to help us out. Thanks for listening and stay terrified. Bye. Bye.